Welcome to Sword and Shield, the official podcast of the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Join us for insight, knowledge, mentorship, and some fun as we discuss relevant topics in and around our wing. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any particular person or business is ever intended. Welcome back to Sword and Shield Podcast. I'm Colonel Rick Erridge, 960 Cyberspace Wing Commander. Today I'm joined with... Uh, Chief Master Sergeant Chris Howard, 960th uh, Cyber Operations Group Superintendent. Welcome back, Chief. Thank you, sir. I appreciate uh, you taking the time and let me uh, sit down and talk with you today. Yeah, so I think today is going to be an interesting discussion. A lot of stuff going on in the world right now that's timely. We just had the changeover administrations. Um, you know, coronavirus is still... Uh, uh, still impacting us everywhere in the world. I know that the new administration is is finding ways to deal with um, coronavirus, and I think we're going to see a lot of movement and some different things that they're going to try to help us. Uh, but also in the news, and hopefully it doesn't get buried, right. is uh, obviously the the news in the cyber world is about solar winds. Oh yeah, no, I mean when you start to really peel back that onion um, in our arena, right? When we talk about cyber cyber defense. Uh, and the breach with uh, solar winds, it definitely uh, makes you take a moment to pause and think about what the ramifications are of that particular breach. But it also helps us start to think about um, what is our role as a reservist when it comes to cyber uh, defensive operations, right? I mean, I get the question I would have for you, sir, is what's the first thing that makes you think of uh, as the wing commander of the reserves only cyber wing? Yeah. So the first thing I think about is where can we help? Are we postured in the right places in order to uh, to provide capacity to our partners and how to solve this solve this thing? But not only the solar winds issue, but I think broader about what other things right. uh, could there be out there? Right? Surely we don't know where all our adversaries are. Um, they don't know where we are, and when we're doing her business, right? So I think we need to make the assumption that. Um, they've, they've used this opportunity and possibly others that we just haven't found yet. And that kind of keeps me up at night. No, I, I agree. I know whenever I'm able to talk to uh, our airmen uh, in this arena, one of the things I, I like to highlight is, um, you know, the importance of defensive cyber operations, right? Uh, it's not as simplistic as one might think. When we look at what they're really defending, when we look at um, the importance of them being the sentries on each one of these fence lines. Um, the problem is, is that when we look at cyber, it's not like a traditional base where I can scope it down to one or two entries, right? And then have a focus point and then have some, some perimeters. Um, we're talking about a very porous uh, environment. I think the, the analogy that you brought up when we were talking in the past was, uh, you know, a chain link fence, right? Um, the problem is, is that each one of those uh, gaps in that chain link fence is an opening for someone to come into and how do we monitor that? Yeah. And think about that and then put it on the top of that chain link fence is constantly moving. Yes. And in all spaces from, you know, if you put it in 3d um, that's moving everywhere. And so it's moving target all the time too. So not only are you trying to find somebody, what they're doing, trying to find what techniques they're using, uh, what, what um, tactics, and then it's constantly shifting and moving. Like where do you even start? And so I think as a reservist, uh, the best thing we can do is kind of always be ready. And I know right. that's, that, that's not, um, that's not super tight and finite, but, um, we just need to make sure that our folks are trained to the best we can. 
that we're ready and able when called upon and making sure that, um, you know, we want to leverage our reservist civilian occupations and capabilities um, to bring to the fight to, to have us think differently when we work with our mission partners. Maybe we're bringing something different than um, than they are. Definitely, sir. And it brings up two thoughts for me. And I'll, the first one that really comes into um, in the challenge that I put forth to our airmen is uh, geeking out. Right. Um, you know, when we look at keeping ready, when we look at um, how this this environment is always changing and, and uh, the tactics are changing. If you're not consistently geeking out, you know, digging through the information um, outside of just uh, reserve duty, if you're not reading the stories of what's being found out uh, in the community, uh, what some of the new techniques in the community are, uh, what some of the new software is, um, what what other individuals are identifying as um, threats and really starting to, to um, hone your knowledge, become that uh, subject matter expert uh, when it comes to the greater sphere of cyber and cyber operations. Yeah, I find that really hard for me. Just maybe it's because of my age and the way I grew up and how I consume information. Um, I, I can get overwhelmed with the amount of information out there. Um, but what I see my kids deal with, they're kind of used to um, having all the noise in front and they can kind of, they're better equipped to sort through that and, and try to find um, what they really need. And so I, you know, I have trust in our airmen that, that are really um, excited about this, uh, this mission we're in and the business of cyber that they're able to kind of sort through that, um, you know, that, that chaff and figure out really what's important to them based on their specialty and where it's important. Right. They know where to go. They know where the sources are, the trusted sources to continue to learn and, 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 and hopefully um, push their, push people around them and their, and their teammates and their mission partners um, to explore those different things. I know every day I'm learning something else. Somebody send me something to read right. and I'm trying to consume it and I'm reading it. And I'm like, wow, I never thought of that. Like every day my mind's blown in this business. And I think that's what makes it exciting for me and want me to keep coming back to work every day. Oh, definitely. Right. And uh, I do try to stay away from uh, a lot of the noise because there's a lot of theories and there's a lot of, um, you know, conjecture, but actually digging into some of the meat and potatoes, um, going into some of the actual uh, large corporations where they're putting out publications of things that they're finding, uh, manufacturing um, references of, of what they're, what the next iteration is, what they're looking at. Um, there's a number of different um, outlets through the DOD, right? Um, uh, CNET is another one I was looking at uh, recently. I think there was an article about uh, the potential incoming um, uh, Secretary of Defense and information warfare and uh, information ops um, and some of their perspective and reading into that. So, you know, things that are just kind of guiding us in, in what kind of directions that we may be headed towards. Right. Um, and that drives me to my second piece of that. that this conversation uh, uh, drives my thought process to is that the great power competition. Right. Um, what does that really mean? It, it's, a, it's a term that's getting coined more and more. Uh, it's getting me to used uh, more often. And when we look at uh, the national defense strategy um, and some of the other doctrine out there, it, it's referenced a few times. I was wondering if you can give me your, your perspective on that. Yeah, that's great. That's a great segue you know, to talk about the great power competition. What's that really mean? We talk about it. Um, the strategy lays out you know, the specific adversaries or countries that we're worried about. Uh, and, and I don't see that change in the next administration. I think we are going to get a new national defense strategy maybe in a year. Right. But the Biden administration is going to work through that, what they want to focus on. And what I heard yesterday on the news, just just kind of flipping stations, a, 
hear what's going on inauguration day. There's some discussion about there's going to be probably uh, a more focused approach to cyber from this administration. So I find that interesting. I don't know really what that means. Um, and, and, and hopefully the authorities stay where they are because we right. worked really hard to get those authorities. I think um, at least DOD has done a great job with using those in the right way and, and not abusing some of the opportunities we have. And, and certainly um, those authorities, you know, we were able to look back at the elections and I think we're pretty confident in, you know, in saying that there was no foreign influence in elections. And that was largely part due to the authorities we had from a cyber perspective. So uh, I, th I think the great power competition next is, uh, again, I still think it's China and Russia for the most right. part. And, and that's the great piece. They both want to be great powers um, along with us. And I think each country, including us, has a different approach. How are we going to do that? Right. Now, I do feel like cyber is um, predominantly agnostic, really, when we look at it, um, when it comes to any of the political uh, piece or um, religious or anything like that. Right. It, it's really about um, the power of knowledge. Right. And the power. Uh, and um, why is it agnostic from uh, from our perspective is the fact that um, the barrier of entry is very low. Right. So a 15 year old uh, with a five hundred dollar laptop and a little bit of uh, free software um, is now a player. Um, you know, kind of goes back to um, solar winds. Um, I mean, granted, we don't know exactly who or what, but that doesn't take that that person or somebody like that out of a key player potentially, right? Yeah, very small group, presumably, was able to do very large um, espionage campaign right. using this tool, and we really don't know how big it is yet, and it could be worse. And I think that that's the interesting part is that. The, the door to the great power competition may be as open past the whole nation state right. discussion. No, and, and yeah, when we talk about the great, uh, the, the larger nations, right, they have a lot more resources. They're able to put a lot more capability to it um, and uh, make them much more powerful um, as far as uh, potential threat and the, uh, the potential breaches. Uh, it's just, it's amazing when you start peeling back all these things, uh, the, the differences and going back to that uh, chain link fence what could breach that, right? Yeah, and, and the other piece of this tool is that great power used to be, you know, in the 50s and 60s, large standing armies and militaries, right? right. And that took a significant uh, investment in order to get there. Yes. Cyber's not that way. And, and, and you mentioned the, the cost of entry is extremely low and some of it's free tools Yes, that are available. And there's people willing to sell those or provide those um, it's such a low cost that it's going to be really hard for us to really focus. You can't focus on all of them. So we got to we got to come up with some sort of policy and strategy that's going to allow us to use cyber to deter. And okay. I think there's a big discussion in academic circles right now about what that means and what does cyber deterrence look like. Um, and when you pair it with kinetic um, type deterrence, maybe right. there's a good policy or way forward there. And I think the administration is going to think about that and, and, what, and what that means. Um, but I think still we got to be focused on the big giants on the block, and that's probably right. China and Russia, not just from cyber, but from, um, you know, their sort of capabilities, what their goals are, and, and their approaches. And so this great power competition could be different for us based on who that actor is. Right. No. And the uh, reason I bring up that the low cost of entry, it's, it's really easy when we look at uh, the craftsmanship uh, of this arena how easy it is to look like one thing or look like another, um, how it uh, only helps for, keep a fog over this type of business. 
of what's really happening, what's not really happening, um, you know, and it 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 makes uh, uh, the ability to hold people accountable for it a lot harder, right? And then, of course, when we talk about that threshold, as you pointed out, that threshold of armed conflict, you know, where do we really get into that? You know, from uh, how are we going to attribute this to an individual um, or how to a group? Then how do we hold them accountable without getting into, into um, uh, that threshold of armed conflict? Um, what is really considered an act of war when it talks about cyber? Cyber law is a big thing that's coming out, right? A lot more uh, caseloads uh, going out there about what is considered, um, you know, illegal, what is considered a, uh, a violation of a, of a nation's rights and so forth. Yeah, there's a big discussion right now with solar winds. Is that is it an act of war or is it espionage? Right. And I, and I think that's still I think it's worthy of debate. And yeah. what the intent is, because it's so hard in cyber to understand what the intent is. And so the Talon Manual kind of talks about from a legal perspective, um, what what the international community has defined as um, what's an act of war or act of aggression. And then what are the uh, what are the approved methods to respond to that? And so I think that's that's where above our heads and um, and certainly a lot of conjecture. We can talk about that. Um all the time, but I think what what we need to focus on is doing our job, and we do our job well. Uh, it does impose greater cost on whoever right. that adversary is, right? Um, it just makes it harder for them. And the more we can impose costs on them, uh, the harder it is. And then um, a lot of times in cyber, right? They're gonna they're they're gonna look for the easiest way in. If you make it just a little bit harder, then maybe they go after somebody else, right? And, I think this key piece, right, sir, when we talk rolling it back to the reservist individual. Uh, um, acts or individual acts uh, at the unit level uh, in defensive cyber operations is every time we can conserve, every time we can actually just stop or deter an enemy from coming across that barrier is a win, right? And then how many wins can we get in a day and just keep on racking those numbers up of, did I find this hole? Was I able to patch it? Did I find, you know, am I identifying what is and what is not a flag? Um, am I making sure that um, I'm getting I'm using the tools that are available so that I'm keeping up on each one of these new TTPs every time that something is, is coming out? Am I making myself aware? Am I practicing against that and making sure that uh, there's no no reason for the, the enemy to know or think that this whole area and this perimeter is free, free reign and we have a bum rush for that? Right. Yeah. And I think that applies not to just when you're here on duty doing your military job. But it's in our personal lives, right? Like yes. we need to we need to harden our own um, cyber hygiene, and, and not turn our computers into bots. Not keep them connected to the network all the time. And do reboots, pull patches down, just in good practices that you would normally do, like with your house. Like you don't right. leave your door open all the time. Right. You lock your car when you go places. Yeah. Same kind of things we need to do. Uh, with with our cyber practices, that makes us a hard target, and, and maybe they'll go after somebody else. I think the other thing I think about too is is I I think I'm starting to see a shift is this whole struggle in 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 our community and in the intel community about uh, what do we want to attribute and right. what do we don't and for what purposes and and our civilian businesses, especially big corporations, have been somewhat unwilling to voluntarily disclose that they've had an impact. And I think the government's pushed really hard to get them to cooperate and help. Right. And I think we're starting to see maybe a shift of a lot of these companies are gonna be um, more interested in saying, hey, we had a problem here, we had a breach, we had a problem. And then that makes life a lot harder for the adversaries if we're gonna come together 
uh, at least in America, and, and come together between academics, industry, and government to create attribution and, and do what we can to um, not let them hide in the shadows anymore. Right. Well, it leads to blind spots, right? So if uh, we as a greater community um, within the cy uh, cyber environment um, aren't sharing those issues, then um, we're all vulnerable, right? I think that's the importance there of um, no matter which industry you're in um, or what subsect of, of business you may be in, if uh, we're not up-channeling that to somewhere uh, and then monitoring it, then all we're doing is uh, letting then them use that against somebody else, right? And I, I think that, that that sense of community when we talk about the cyber environment is going to be key as we grow uh, in the great power competition because um, the fact is, is we're under siege as a nation. Um, we're under siege as businesses um, because there's there's all kinds of different parts and pieces that this information can be leveraged uh, to someone else's benefit. Yeah, I think America needs to lead for the world like we've done in so many other areas, right? So some of these other countries that are... Um, they're having the same problems we are, and maybe they're not equipped to deal with it. Uh, maybe they're they're not sure what to do about it. And I think if we can lead and show how we're bringing all those communities together uh, and, and to make this really hard on our adversaries is, is best for the whole world. And we may not do it like we're not going to say, hey, we're going to lead and we're going to show you how to do it. We just need to do it, like right. not take credit for it. But I saw this morning, like 16th Air Force and their cyber advisory uh, post an article about Microsoft they're sharing. Um, sharing what they learned about, you know, how they're able to, whoever did SolarWinds uh, attack the supply chain, how they're able to disguise what they're doing, right? That's knowledge that can be shared across and hopefully that doesn't happen again and that right. we get better. And, and then if we do that, then it makes it easier for our, our partners and allies to be able to um, implement those things that we already learned and kind of speed up closing the gap for those other countries. Right. And that just adds to the co the barrier cost, right? The the more that we can do, the more we can share, the more flags we can identify, um, the more techniques that we can identify, um, things that we can share as a community will then cause that uh, barrier of entry to rise, right? So that uh, nobody can just walk in with a laptop and, and a couple of moments of thought and, and get after your business. Um, you know, that information, whether it's uh, national intelligence or if it's uh, you know, business practices or um, business processes that are, are considered um, key to that that success of that business or, or operation um, can get away to an adversary or to someone with some uh, malice. Yeah. And so um, you can't just cut off the head and then hopefully it all stops. Right. Because then all the legs are going to go somewhere else and create all these little it's, it's similar to the, the way we approach terrorism. Right. Mm -hmm. And and so. Um, the terrorism, if I'll say community, the adversaries, the bad yeah. terrorists, right. they're all, all terrorists are bad. Um, but I think the way they've been able to survive, they created these cells, right? Individual groups, people um, with limited support. And that's the way they've been able to operate like cyber adversaries and, and these assistant, you know, these persistent threats have done that. They've got these little tiny cells. Some are kind of um, supported by nation states. Some aren't. They're kind of doing their own things. It's very loosely um loose network and they're not connected really. And, and so how do we, how do we handle that from a strategy perspective, I think is really interesting. Um, it's, it's not the old, you know, build the wall and put a moat in and then make a drawbridge. Like, you know, they, uh, they figured that out a long time ago. Right. Um, and so I think that the, the approach has to be, we're going to 
clearly identify who we're um, who we're targeting in the great power competition. Again, China and their approach, I think, is the long war. Right, right. they're in it for um, decades and centuries. Um, that's not really been our approach in America. We're we're fixated on what's right in front of us. Right, um, and Russia's somewhere in between. And, and I think um, their their level of interaction on the world stage is largely determined by who's in who's in charge at the time. And we know the current regime there is probably going to be there for a long time. Right. Um, it goes to that infinite game, right? Um, and, and playing that infinite game out, right? The the rules are going to adjust. Um, the There's going to be small wins, but it's not the game is over. And I think that's the biggest shift in, in, in the psychological uh, perspective of this is that um, we got to take a different approach to what winning looks like. Um, and understand that uh, the game doesn't end necessarily. If we're looking at it from a short-term game uh, and or from a game perspective of that, uh, you know, eight rounds and we'll find a winner um, is, is the wrong strategy. It's more of uh, understanding that um, this win is going to then start the next piece of the game and the rules may adjust based on that win um, and continually to play that out uh, and going forth with the, the mentality of that, um, yes, we've got short-term goals, short-term gains that we're going to aim here, um, but that win will lead to the next game, to the next game, to the next game, to the next game, uh, infinitely, right? Um, yeah, and I think um, the West, I'll say the West, loosely countries associated traditionally with Western society, um, we've got this, uh, you know, we've got a, we've got a very strong uh, group of academia in in, in this business specifically that we're really sharing back and forth with. Uh, they're not going to allow us to not think about um, certain areas and parts. And certainly the supply chain is going to get a lot of attention right now. Right. And so we're going to put a lot of effort into figuring that out and getting partnerships and relationships so that um, at least with government that we don't have uh, a breach of this kind of level before. But we can't we can't ignore those other areas like you talked about. Yes, exactly. Right. So, yes, this is the fire today. But um, we also have to be looking at, all right, because of this, stepping back and looking at it, if this part, this supply chain was vulnerable, what other vulnerabilities do we have? And how can I look at um, taking what lessons learned from this particular situation and apply that to other sectors of, 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 or avenues of approach? Yep. And then, um, you know, as, as senior leaders in our government change out and move, it'll be interesting to see um, where that focus is. And, and really, if you follow the money, that's what we think is important. Right. And so Cybercoms right now made a proposal that they want to um, have more control over the, the cyber budget and where that goes in order to help that. And I think we're going to see further discussions about what is cyber's role in defense of America. Right. And then that's where you, sir, and, and us as a, a leaders uh, here at the wing um, really start putting the emphasis of uh, the uh, the due diligence of our airmen, right? Um, and putting forth that effort to, to look at those avenues. Yeah, I think it's really important for us to have these conversations and figure out where we fit in. Um, a lot of our members are, are in the, the defense community and their civilian jobs as well. Right. And, and so we all have a role to play there. We should be having these discussions with our families and our kids and, and just exposing people to more and more of, of what's out there what the concerns are, what the issues are, inform them. So when it comes voting time, simply by voting in their local state and, and the approach that they, um, that, that administration that's running, even at the governor and the county level, can have an impact on, on America and, right. and what we're doing and how we're defending 
Um, and where we go, is, is the reserve going to play a bigger role in um, defense inside our borders? Possibly. Right. I think that, uh, you know, pontificating uh, comes up with a lot of different uh, options, but I definitely see that uh, the reserve is going to play a key role operationally across the board. Um, when we look at uh, that strategic depth, um, when we look at um, potential f uh, changes in how that force is going to be made up, um, there's definitely an avenue for us to advocate for individuals uh, and for reservists to be key, right? Um, going back to the point that you were making that uh, a lot of these individuals work in uh, the cyber community in this environment outside of the reserve duty. Um, what, what thought processes are they using in corporate America that can then be leveraged or what other training are they, they getting um, and what other exercises, how are they honing their skills on that side that can then be brought here uh, to the reservist? And then how do we implement that or help that get changed through the whole enterprise of DOD? Yeah, and they can share what they learn and what they're doing in the civilian job, even with their small work center or the group or their squadron. And it's really important for them um, to leverage that for us to continue to get better, right? And so right. make it better, make it better than it was yesterday is our model and making sure everybody's ready to contribute when called upon. And we don't know where that's going to be. It's right. maybe not going to be traditionally um, what we look about uh, look when we look at what uh, a traditional deployment used to look like as we're shifting away from Middle East and and more um, and, and more to the great power competition, what that means. So um, there was a discussion even about the Biden administration yesterday in the news about what they're going to do with Iran and how we're going to handle that. Um, so all these things have implications into into our business and what our future looks like. So I'm just going to ask all of our airmen out there to uh, continue to stay sharp and continue to train and be ready when called upon. Definitely, sir. You know, having that uh, diligence uh, to deterrence uh, really comes into play and uh, honing those skills and and being able to geek out and really, you know, start to think out these problems. Don't don't block your thought process to, well, that's never happened before or uh, we've never seen this before, uh, start to really critically think and uh, look at um, some of the things that maybe we haven't looked at before, so maybe we stop the next solar ones. Yeah, and it just takes one airman, right? So right. in our business, one airman can have a massive impact on our national security and the health of our nation, the health of our allies and partners. So that's exciting. Yeah, and, and a shout out to one of our units, right? Um, after COVID hit, uh, we had one airman in, in the 689th that was key in expanding our capability within VPN. And that's a true testament to what a reservist can do uh, as just one airman. Yep, just releasing the, the power and enthusiasm and let them go. It's it's exciting for us that uh, we can be uh, such a big contributor on the national stage. Yes, sir. All right, great discussion, Chief. Again, we've talked about this for hours and hours. <laughs> yes, um, definitely. And uh, so, um, again, appreciate it. And, and thanks to Sam, too. She's behind the she's behind the board all the time. She doesn't get a lot of props, but she's doing all the hard work. And we just have to sit here and uh, get to talk and pontificate about our thoughts. Yeah, just like any other uh, you know team, right? Everybody has their piece. And, and Sam, if uh, she had not, she doesn't take this, capture it uh, and package it out there. And then it's just two old guys here chit-chatting <laughs> yeah. on, on a recording on a computer. So thank you, Sam. Yeah, uh, couldn't do without you. Appreciate you and, and the whole team. So yes. until next time, everybody, we're out here. <laughs>